Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Happy New Year. Happy 2022. And welcome to season six. I am so excited to have you here. It has been a hot minute, everybody. Um, And I'm just so, 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 so grateful for you joining me in a brand new year, in a brand new season. So let's jump right on into it. Today, I have a very special guest. His name is David Johnson, and he is a life coach for introverts and highly sensitive people. David helps people gain confidence in themselves and in the lives they wish to live by using the techniques that he has learned while studying Buddhism. David is a HSP or highly sensitive person. He's an introvert and he's an INFJ. And he's originally from the United Kingdom and he had spent seven years living in a Buddhist community studying meditation. So without further ado, let's dive right into the episode. I can't wait and I'll see you on the other side. Let's get deep. Welcome to the That's Deep podcast. I'm Naomi, and I'm an international board-certified life and success coach, neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, or NLP, as you've heard it, an empath, a mother, an introvert, and a podcast host. It is my mission to empower humans from the inside out through inner and outer exploration. Thank you so much for being here. If you love the show, please give it a follow and a five-star rating. I appreciate you so much. Now let's dive in. Hey everyone, I have a quick and exciting announcement. I would love it if you all joined me on my YouTube channel and you can find it at Naomi Courtney Co. or Naomi Courtney Co. I'll also leave a link for you in the show notes, and I have everything from lifestyle content to personal development and spirituality, so please get to know the faces behind the podcast by joining my YouTube community and check it out for some really cool and detailed pick-a-card readings as well. Thank you so much, everyone, and let's get back to the show. Thank you for being here today, David. I just am so excited to talk to you today. Well, thanks, Naomi, for inviting me. I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversation as well and to, to meet somebody else here in Hawaii. So that's wonderful. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So I think you might be the first podcast guest who is tuning, like who is recording in from Maui. So yeah, for, the, for our listeners who aren't too familiar with Hawaii, um, we are both situated on two different islands. They're not too, well, I don't want to say not too far apart because you need a plane to get <laughs> in between. <laughs> but yes, um, I'm really excited to introduce um, David, who is another INFJ. Um, and a lot of my listeners are INFJs, introverts, highly sensitive people, empaths. So this is going to be an amazing conversation. And I actually just want to jump right in and ask mm-hmm. you um, some personal questions so that the listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Sure, sure. Yes. Okay. So um, can you share what you do for a living and kind of just a little bit more about the work that you do? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I work as a life coach. Um, my, my kind of niche area is um, with introverts and highly sensitive people and especially working with men in that area because I, I feel from my own experience or so um, having the personality traits of 
an INFJ doesn't always, as, as a man, doesn't always fit in with the, the I suppose, the societal expectations of, of men. And um, uh, I, I, I just, from my conversations with men of similar personality types, um, I know some of them have, in worst case scenarios, have been doing things like self-medicating or think that something's really wrong with them because they don't have a framework in which to understand um, what their needs are, what, what they need to, and, uh, to um, if they feel overwhelmed or they just feel tired out and it, it feels, they look at their peers and they think, oh, I should be going, 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 and it's, it's just not working for them. And so the, with, without having a framework to understand that, um, it kind of gets in, it gets in the way of their life. Um, the other work I, I do, this is more on a volunteer basis. I, um, uh, I volunteer going to the local jail here in El Maui. Um, uh, just running, we run a mentoring program there for, for men. So we go, two or three of us will go in and we sit in circle with the men. That's actually been on pause because of the pandemic, but hopefully that will be opening up again in the near yeah. future that is so neat and so awesome mm. i think the work that you do is so valuable and so needed amongst the community of men as well because you're right there's like this message out there in society especially for men to like you know buck up be strong like sensitivity is a right. weakness and you know if that's a part of your nature and you truly are you know maybe a highly sensitive person or an introvert and you know basically the world has been telling you that the way you're wired is wrong, but you know, that can be really disempowering. So I just want to oh. give you kudos and a big thumbs up for the work that you do. Thanks, Naomi. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's very fulfilling and it, it's, um, yeah. When I meet the men, it's just, the, the other thing I've done um, here on man, part of a men's group and I set up a group uh, for introverted and highly sensitive men, unsure whether anybody would show up to tell you the truth. And it was, there was a real, call for it it's on kind of hold at the moment because we we're, we need to find a, a another venue to to meet but yeah that was for I, I ran it for about 18 months and it was very well received very well received. Yeah. very cool very very cool mm. well before i dive in you know more into your story and mm -hmm. kind of more on you know being a men's coach for you know highly sensitive people and introverts and all that um i've got a few more personal questions with a little bit of a sure. fun one so where are you from and how has that shaped you in any way as a person? Yeah, um, well, I'm from England, so I'm a very long way from home at the moment. In fact, I'm actually yearning to go back and see family because of that, because um, of the pandemic, I haven't traveled for two years. Um, so that's where I'm originally from. Um, my wife uh, uh, has lived on Maui for about 20 years, then when we met, we moved to the mainland for a bit and we've, we came back here about six years ago. Um, so how does it shape me? That's, that's an interesting question. Um, one thing I, I got a lot out of, I, I lived for many years out in um, the countryside in Britain, out, out in the Welsh. I actually lived in Wales for many years. Um, and uh, I think that's a piece that's kind of shaped me the most. Um, uh, and maybe it's informed by my sensitivity. I'm kind of saying this with the benefit of hindsight. Back then, I wasn't familiar with the t introvert. To me, wasn't so much a personality type as 
oh, that person is introverted just because they're sitting quiet in the corner. I mean, you know, that was the end of it. And, um, so I didn't really understand it. And high sensitivity didn't even, an INFJ didn't even, uh, wasn't even on my radar. Um, so I just used to spend a lot of time. The only way I can describe it is I, I enjoyed spending a lot of time just being in the natural world. Uh, I think that's why I can feel so at home here in Hawaii because so much of Hawaii is about the outdoors and nature. Um, and um, in fact, all of that led to, interestingly, I, I, I did a master's degree in eco-psychology through Naropa University, which is based in Boulder, Colorado. And that's how I met my wife. She was on the same program. It was, in, it was early days of um, uh, distant learning. And um, I always say it was kind of an online dating program that we were on. <laughs> we ended up <laughs> meeting and getting married. Um, but eco-psychology is about our relationship with the natural world and how it affects us psychologically and how a disconnection from it can hurt us and how maybe sometimes I, I'm not a psychologist but how a disconnect from nature or looking at our psychosis any any mental struggles we have without a consideration of, of the natural world, or maybe even how things like climate change are affecting us. You know, is, is it something that we're feeling a lot about, but we maybe live in a situation where nobody wants to talk about it? How's that affecting us? So um, I try and bring some of that work into my coaching work, just a, 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 asking clients to, if it feels appropriate to them to engage in, um, activities with the natural world um, and I, f I find more often than not that results will come from that there may be a bit of skepticism initially you know what, what are you asking me to do this all sounds a bit I don't know, woo woo whatever but hey we, we, we grew up in nature nature's part it is part of who we are yeah. and um, so I, I and I my time in Wales my time living in the Welsh countryside it, it's still really solid in me. That, that happened in my late 20s and through my 30s. And um, yeah, that feels, even now as I talk about it to you, I can kind of feel it inside me. So, yeah. so thanks. Yeah. I hadn't, I, that's, that was a great question. I hadn't actually thought of that. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And, and, you know, on that note, just kind of thinking about when you were younger as a child, what do you think that your inner child really needed the most? Like maybe mm. needed to hear, needed to feel, needed to experience. What do you think your inner child needed the most? Oh, great question. Um, again, an image that comes to mind. I remember the bottom of our, where, where we lived in, in England, the bottom of our garden, there was this huge beech tree. Sadly, we don't get beech trees here in Hawaii because I love beech trees. Um, and it had what I can only call like a cradle at the bottom of it, the way the roots, it was a really old tree and the way the roots had formed, it's, it, you can almost sort of sit back in it. Certainly as a, a, a young child, I'm thinking sort of a five-year-old. And um, my memory is, and for some reason, it's really been in my mind a lot recently. I don't know that, what that says about <laughs> what I'm going through at the minute, but um, I just remember going down there and being by, myself and sitting cradled in the roots of this huge tree um, quite often beech nuts were falling especially sort of 
late summer. And um, so maybe that speaks to a lot. I mean, that, that was at a time, I say I was probably about five or six when that was going on. Um, maybe it was just an, a need to be held and cradled. I, I don't know. But that's an image that's strong in my mind as, as you ask the question. So I'll, I'll run with that for now. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I think there is mm. a, a strong need for every single child to feel that, you know, feeling of being held, being cradled. And I think yes. a lot, you know, a lot of a lot of us don't get that, you know. And so right. I feel like it's it's interesting in, in, in adulthood to kind of immerse yourself in those types of experiences, like just mm. to go ahead and nourish that inner child because it's you know still so important in your adulthood. Absolutely. So yeah. 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 Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I want to jump into more of your story and talk <clears throat> about meditation, personality type, um, you know, you being a highly sensitive person and a men's coach. So mm. there's a lot, but the first question I have is um, what is meditation and what are its benefits? I know there's a lot of listeners who have heard of meditation before, but if they're not too familiar with what exactly it is and they've maybe only seen Kind of what the media portrays it as, you know, sitting on a pillow, mm. cross-legged, and some think, you know, I don't have the time for it, or I don't really know how to meditate, or I can't shut my mm. mind off. So, can mm. you share a little bit more about like what meditation is to you? Yeah, sure. Um, maybe a bit of background to tell you where I'm coming from with meditation. Um, uh, back in my late twenties, early thirties, I came. Tibetan Buddhism. I used to have no interest whatsoever in any form of spirituality. I mean, you might say me sitting cradled by a beech tree is a form of spirituality, but a five-year-old wasn't thinking of that. Um, so I, I, I didn't, I, I, I suppose I didn't grow up in a, in a overtly religious family in any shape or form. And I was, I've always been interested in science. So sp spirituality, religious traditions, let's say, as they were presented to me back then, um, didn't make any sense to me. I, I didn't understand them. But, so I really did just stumble across Buddhism. And when I did, it was a bit disconcerting initially because, as I say, I came from no um, interest in spirituality to suddenly this thing which really resonated with me. I felt a real connection. It, it's like meeting kind of your soulmate. You know, you meet them and you just know this is the person you're going to be with or, or just meeting a very good friend. And so there was, I couldn't really walk away from it and of course, um, you know, subsequently I became involved with the Tibetan Buddhist group in um, South Wales. That's why I lived there for so many years. And I, it's still very much a part of my practice. Um, I'm still affiliated and involved with the group back in Britain. And um, <clears throat> so my practice is rooted in the Tibetan tradition. For those who are familiar with the Tibetan traditions, specifically the Gelukpa tradition, the, at four different traditions and um i but i i read around other traditions now whether it's buddhist or secular let's say or whether even within the christian traditions of, of meditation so that's kind of my background specifically tibetan with you know, informed by other traditions um and for me meditation is about I'm going to say it's about awareness, awareness of, of what you're doing and ultimately awareness of what's going on in the mind. And from that, 
creating um, the analogy I like to use sometimes is for a lot of us, including myself, our mind kind of leads us around everywhere. I must say, say so it's like a you, you've just bought a puppy, and of course, the puppy doesn't know any obedience at all. You put it on a leash and it takes you for a walk. You just get, and as it gets older and hopefully better trained, um, you st the, the, the pulling on the leash starts to lessen. And you, if, if you want the dog to just you know, walk beside you, you can do that. If you want it to lie down, it will do that. Um, and that's how I like to look on meditation. The Tibetan word for meditation means to familiarize. And it's about familiarizing ourselves with what's going on in the mind and generating positives, developing positives positive states of mind, love, compassion, generosity, joy. And so, so that for me is what meditation is about developing an awareness of what's going on in your mind. The Tibetans, when they speak about mind, they also put their mind on their heart, their hands on their heart. That's where the mind is for them. Um, <clears throat> and so develop, being aware of what's going on and then when if you like, the leash starts to pull you. So when maybe anger kicks in, maybe with your meditation practice, you can catch yourself. It doesn't mean you don't, maybe you get angry for a second, then you catch yourself and you can calm yourself down or you can develop another perspective on the situation. Um, by that, I mean, it kind of depends upon your philosophical outlook on you know, the situation you're in. But um, one example might be, we all know when we get angry, we're not happy so you can develop compassion for the other person because yes they might have just accused you of doing something which was totally wrong but and that doesn't mean you don't take necessary action around that but you can have compassion for their anger they're not happy they're getting really worked up over something so i i don't want to brush anger over with a sort of brush you know, there are lots of nuances to that but so for me in a nutshell, it's about awareness, awareness of what's going on in the mind. And then based upon that, uh, trying to train yourself in more beneficial ways of being. That might be one way of putting it. Yeah, um, okay. I really like that explanation of meditation. It's like drawn out a clearer picture of what it really is and what it really yeah. does for you. So that's that's very cool. And do you have any tips for anyone who might kind of struggle to go ahead and get into a meditation practice? Because I know it, you know, it very much is a practice. So yeah, yes, that, that's a good point. It, it's people do refer to it as a practice. It's not something that ends. It's it's a lifelong thing. It, it's and if you really want to believe in it, it's lifetimes of practice. I mean, it, it's an ongoing thing. One day you feel as though you're getting somewhere. The next day, boom, you 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 hit a low with it for whatever reason. Um, I, a couple of things come to mind. If you have people around you who are interested, community is really important. That was one thing that really helped me at the beginning. I, I just stumbled across a community of meditators and now it's given me the strength that I, I don't need to be around them all the time. I, I, I have the rhythm, it's almost like brushing my teeth. I don't need to be told to do it. I've done it all my life and I'll do it. Um, and similarly with meditation now, it's, it's part of my life. So if you can find a community, do. If you can't, a um, couple of other quick things. Um, don't get into the idea that you have to have a completely quiet space. If, if you've got you know, a family of kids and life is just you know, noise from one end to the other until you collapse into bed, 
just look for, this is gonna sound silly, excuse yourself to go to the bathroom for a couple of minutes and just sit in there and, and watch the breath coming in and out of the nose. And if your mind gets distracted, come back to the breath. Is it your ideal meditation place? No, but it's an opportunity. If you're standing in line by yourself at the grocery store, do the same thing. Don't, don't whip out your phone. Don't start looking around. Just stand there and wait. If you feel yourself getting impatient, come back. Feel your feet on the floor. Feel the support of the floor. Um, one other quick thing. Uh, I find it very helpful to have a place which I call my meditation place. If you're blessed with having a room of your own, which I did when I lived in Britain, which was just my meditation space, great. If that's not open to you, um, just create, maybe it's the table beside your bed. Maybe it's a little table in the corner of, a, of your living room, which you've put, I don't know, maybe you keep some flat, fresh flowers on there. Maybe you put a, an image on there or a book of somebody who inspires you. Nobody else need know what it, what's going on there. But for you, that little corner of the room is your meditation space. And it's a place where you go when you can to sit and meditate. And I always say it's like, um, uh, maybe you're out and about, maybe your day's really fraught. Maybe, I don't know, you've just had to have a dental appointment which you didn't enjoy very much. And you're just feeling yucky. You, you wanna be held. And so you, you think of somebody you love or you think of your home or a place that means a lot to you. And just for a split second, your mind relaxes. And all you've done is bring to, to your mind an image of something that's important to you or someone who's important to you. And similarly, if you have a place which is your meditation spot, it can be somewhere outside in, in your backyard. It doesn't matter where it is or what it is. It can be your toilet, if you like, if that's the place you always have to run to. Just thinking about it will just help to calm your mind down, even if it's for a split second. A lot of split seconds add up to a lot. And that's what meditation is about. It's, as you say, it's practice. It's constant building, step by step. I love so, that. Yeah. Just find a place that's important to you. It doesn't have to be anything. If you can create something wonderful and that's what you want, one. but simple is fine. Yeah, that's awesome. I really like your tips, especially the tip around just creating an opportunity to get more of like a mindful moment or just to focus on the breath because mm. I used to think like yeah I said it needs to be perfect it needs to be completely quiet and I've got two kiddos so it's like never quiet so I'm like how can I you know fit fit it into my you know life my very loud life but there are ways there are a lot of ways so I just to that. add yeah when I was in the Buddhist community, my own teacher used to come and disturb me at times. Um, he was a Tibetan teacher, he passed away a couple of years ago. And um, his, one of his reasons for doing that was because of our tendency to use meditation as a place uh, to go to for quiet. Now, I think that's got its, that's certainly got its space. And when you're completely fraught and you're, you're, you're frazzled and you're, you're wet saying you just want a bit of peace and quiet, Yes, it can, I sometimes liken it to, um, uh, you know, like a snow globe. You know, you're shaking it up. Your mind's like all the snow dancing around and then it just settles. So there's a place for that, I believe, especially in our modern day and age. But 
if meditation is only that, then it becomes a problem because when you can't get your quiet space, um, you'll, you'll get frustrated. But if meditation becomes a place of just awareness of the mind of what's going on there, ironically, not ironically, paradoxically what happens is that in time your mind does calm down because you're not, you're not trying to force something, you're not trying to force quiet, you're just being with what is and in being in allowing the mind settles. So yes, there's a place for quiet. If you're frazzled, use it for that. Please do, your, your, your mind and body will feel better. But that's not the only thing. That's not the only thing. Very interesting, very cool. <laughs> Pearls of wisdom for sure. Um, I know that you also mentioned that you're a highly sensitive person. And so mm. what, what does you know being a highly sensitive person or HSP like look like for you? You know, what's it like in your everyday life? Um, and do you think that like your meditation practice has helped you in any way as a highly sensitive person? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> You know, since getting married and moving here, I, I'm on the same piece of land here as my stepdaughter and their, uh, their her family. Um, so there's a five-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. So, and they're over here all the time, um, which is a complete change in my life. I don't have any children of my own, and um, so at times I definitely find in my life that. Uh, there's a lot of noise going on and I'm not saying that to have a go at my family in any shape or form it's just the fact it, it, you're, it's noisy and and that can certainly be a challenge at times I, I can I can feel um, it can be exhausting and I and I can find trying to find that balance between being with family um, and, and wanting some time just to recharge and to, 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 I can feel my whole body sort of tensing if, if there's too much noise and I, I, I don't know when I'm gonna get mine. Yesterday, in fact, this is a really good example. Yesterday was really busy for me, just helping out with some family things and, um, and it kind of spilled over into this morning. And so, you know, I'm meeting you. I, just, I can actually feel it in my body now. I'm just beginning to calm down. Things have been to settle and we, you know, We've got done what we needed to do, but I definitely notice I, um, uh, noise. Noise is probably my biggest struggle. Um, constant input, input, input. That's my biggest struggle as a highly sensitive person. Um, meditation definitely helps. Um, it what really helps is just having some quiet. That's that's the biggest help. Um, but. Uh, I, I use it in a couple. One is like the snow globe thing I was just talking about. If, my, if I'm really feeling tense, then I just try and calm myself down. That's when I do use it for um, meditation to quieten my mind. Um, just an awareness of the body as well. I think that helps. An awareness of you know, where's the tension, what's going on, and then trying to breathe into that and relax it. The other thing I try and do is I find what happens for me there's a lot of noise and I want to get away from it my mind then starts creating more noise because it starts saying get out of there go you want or, or telling the people you know, go away go away and all that does is create more noise in my head which doesn't help matters 
So if I can, if I'm not, you know, being asked to engage in anything, I'm not, if I'm not talking to anyone in that moment, I'll just try, just, I'll watch the breath. I'll, I'll be aware of those thoughts going through my mind and just try and let them go. It doesn't mean that I don't want some quiet. It doesn't mean that I don't want to just recharge for a moment by myself, but it starts to stop. It gives me a bit more breathing space, that's it. It stops this other dialogue, which I'm self-creating um, going through my head. And, and I, what I find with time is that it increases my resilience to, to noise. I, I'm definitely still noise averse. I, I'm, I'm a very noise averse person, but um, it gives me more space to, to, to deal with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I totally hear you. I'm on the same page with being um, very sensitive to noise and like mm -hmm. very sensitive to constant input. So uh, yeah, it's just so important to like carve out those moments where you do have that like quiet, alone time to just like be with yourself and like not enmeshed in anybody else's energy so right yes yeah 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 totally yes. so um just with being a highly sensitive person i know boundaries is huge and, and boundaries you know that's a huge thing for all of us as humans but especially as a highly sensitive person and i know that you have a podcast and you had an episode on setting boundaries so would you be able to share a little bit more with the audience about you know what this episode was about and what you talked about as far as boundaries go sure thank, thanks for asking um it was you know i think a lot of people when they think of meditation the the, the podcast is just offering uh instruction on meditation helping people to build a meditation practice and i think a lot of people when they think of meditation as, as you said it, it's about somebody sitting cross-legged eyes closed maybe you know doing something what we don't know um, and uh, if meditation just stays on the cushion, um, I mean, I, I, I don't think it ever really does because it, if, you, if you meditate enough, it's going to, um, you're going to feel the experience of it. But uh, what needs to happen is, is uh, meditation on the cushion being supported by, by your daily life. And so boundaries in this, I, I was actually kind of rephrasing the Buddhist idea of precepts they, they have um, precepts are kind of voluntary things that you choose not to do in order to help protect your mind so one priest one buddhist precept is not taking any form of intoxicants so no, no drugs no alcohol and um it's a voluntary thing you choose to do you're not told to do it if you're told to do it then you've got the resistance of i want it and that's another fight so so it's about um i'm choosing not to do it because I, I recognize that if I overdo the intoxicants, it's going to affect my mind and then I can't control my mind, which is the whole point of meditation. So boundaries in this respect is about um, supporting our meditation practice on the cushion by um, uh, what we're going to say yes and no to in our daily lives. So, so one thing that always pops into my mind, especially in this day and age of 24-7 news, um, is the news cycle. And I, and I think, especially when a big news item breaks, for me, it's for one of my 
temptations is to dive into the latest story you know and of course quite often these stories very rarely change by the second some do but you know normally you're just reading the same stuff over and over again and so it's saying okay i'm going to create a boundary around what i about what i consume let's put it that way what news i can consume and that you know that depends on what media you use so that might mean for example taking all news apps off your phone so i don't read anything on my phone it might i mean i remember growing up um this probably dates me but i remember growing up news used to be the morning news on the radio lunchtime if i happened to be by a radio and then in the evening as we sat down to dinner and maybe if i picked up a newspaper i'd see a bit in between but you know that was it and that was fine and suddenly I need all this Twitter and this and that and all. So I, my, my way of doing it, um, I subscribe to a newsletter, which gives me 10 news items first thing in the morning, which I can read while I'm having breakfast. I have something that comes in in the evening, which summarizes a big story and that's it. If there's anything else in between, I, I might pick something up or someone says something to me and I actually don't miss anything. And it means my mind isn't constantly bombarded with, it's a boundary I've decided to create in my own life in order to protect my own mind. And because and sometimes you know, I read something, something's happened in the news and someone annoys me, now I start getting angry. The Tibetans sometimes joke that we're very good at meditating on anger because we just think about it all the time. It's, it's a bit tongue in cheek, but so, so that's one way. If, if drink is, for example, is, is, is an issue, I'm not, going as far as AA, but just if you want to, to regulate your drinking, you know, then try and set a boundary around that. Um, whatever it is, if, if you, I don't know, maybe if you spend too much time shopping, then, you know, somehow block Amazon, for example, from your, your feeds. So just something, a way of creating a boundary to protect your own mind. If something's, if you feel so something is feeding your mind in a way that's not helping you, not not supporting your practice um the tibetans say with regard to the mind that um uh even things like desire if you have if well let's go back to anger again if you have strong anger then it's a mind which is agitated very easily and that 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 can be um uh even if while you're sitting on your meditation cushion you're not angry Imagine if there was a noise outside, completely innocent noise as a workman, I don't know, kids running by and suddenly screams with excitement. Nobody's doing anything wrong, but because you want your quiet time and you have a tendency to get angry, that's what's going to pop up. That, that potential is always sitting there. So if you remove the temptations, it starts to lessen the likelihood that that's going to arise. Um, so that's what boundaries are about, recognizing what's not helping you in your life and um, trying, to, trying to stop or lessen what's um, causing that, that upset in your life. Yeah, wow, so beautifully said. I, I really like the way that you're thinking about boundaries, you know, because there, there are so many different types of boundaries too, right? Like your physical boundaries, your emotional boundaries, your mental boundaries. So. Yeah, this is all super helpful. And I'm just curious, is there maybe like one influential, you know, thought leader that maybe you recommend other people 
um, to check out, like maybe they're, you know, very helpful with meditation or maybe they have some amazing mantras or, med- you know, affirmations or mm-hmm. um, they have a lot of, you know, amazing insights. Who would you recommend, whether that's like an author or... Oh, you've frozen. Oh, can you see me now? Um... Oh, there we go. It's coming back. Can you see me now? I can now. Yes, just go. Okay, perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For a second. Well, we're almost finished. I'm just going to ask you here. I'll just finish asking you that last question. And then I just, I'm going to ask you like how people can get in touch with you if they want to work with you or anything like that. And then okay. we'll wrap up. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. So I'll just ask the question again. Okay. So yeah, name one of your, you know, favorite influential thought leaders that you, you follow. Um, in terms of maybe mindset or kind of um, like meditation or mental health, you know, in the wellness space, what who is one influential thought leader that you really like? Okay, I'm, I'm going to be a bit naughty and name two here, just in case one doesn't yeah. work. So what, what, one is the Dalai Lama. I've maybe a bit biased there because of his Tibetan, his Tibetan-ness, if you like. Um, I just like what he says that some people struggle with some aspects of his message because he's he can go into a lot of detail but he's he's been a big influence on my life so that would be one on a more contemporary level Brené Brown definitely is is a huge influence on me um I love her work around vulnerability and and shame and I I think it really speaks to highly sensitive people um so maybe it's honus more around the compassion, the meditation aspect, um, Brené Brown around vulnerability and shame, because I think if you don't understand, as speaking here as a highly sensitive man, if you don't understand these personality types, it's very easy to drop into shame and feel so you're lacking in some way. And um, not only are you not lacking in any way, but um, it's Brené Brown gives so many tools for um, dealing with shame and um, and just I think giving having a sense of wholeness about oneself yeah I, I love her work I love it yes yeah mm. me too I was just thinking about um, her what was the book daring greatly the one where mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. was talking about how like you know men and women deal with shame in different ways and like Shame is brought up, in, you know, in different ways for, for men and women. And I remember one of her examples was like a man on the football field. And that was like the first time he really experienced shame. Like, you know, like the, the answer, or not the answer, but kind of what is being put out there is like, you know, don't be weak. Don't be a wussy. Right. Like, yeah. Right. And right. It really yes. creates a lot of shame in men. And I know some, you know, I think she said with women, it was like being the perfect mom, wife, daughter you know co-worker whatever mm-hmm. it is like perfectionism and yeah it's so interesting I, I i had no idea that you could be a shame researcher but it is extremely helpful so yeah. yes yes <laughs> very yeah. cool awesome yeah. well i i'm just so grateful for this you know extremely nourishing conversation it was amazing to chat with you and for our listeners who want to work with you for coaching or just get in touch with you to further this conversation uh, where can they find you online yeah so um my my business website is uh, www.crossingthethreshold 
.net, bit of a mouthful. Um, so crossing the threshold.net. Um, my contact details are on there. There's a, there's a page for contact. Um, the podcast is called Behind the Thoughts. Um, the website for it is behindthethoughts.com and I'm also on Apple Podcasts. Um, so you can find me there. Uh, the, the other place I, I sit, I, I'm, I make use of a platform called micro.blog. Um, I stumbled across it a while ago and, and um, I, I use that just as a, I've got a, a website, microblog.crossingthethreshold.net. That's an even bigger mouthful. Um, you can find links to all of them on, on, on the other sites, but that just gives a kind of, you know, what I'm up to, what I'm thinking. It's just a kind of rolling blog um, day, more daily than anything else. Um, awesome. So yeah, get, get, get in touch with anyone who's interested. Yes, oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And I look forward to chatting with you more next time. That's great. Thanks, Naomi. Thanks for inviting thank me to, to the podcast. I've really enjoyed the conversation today. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So what did you think of the episode? If you loved it, I would greatly appreciate it if you left me a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to the show on right now. Go ahead and rate us with the number of stars that you see fit and go ahead and leave a little comment and this will help get the podcast out to other like-minded and like-sold people like you. Thank you so much and I will see you back on the next episode. Mahalo! I know that there are a lot of creative souls that listen to this podcast, and some of you might even be interested in starting your own podcast. If you are looking to take the leap into the world of podcasting, I would love to offer you a month free on Podbean, which is the hosting site that I host my podcast on. You can get a month free if you use my link and I'll leave it in the show notes. Now let's get back to the show. Hey everyone, I just wanted to invite you to connect with me on Instagram at naomicourtney.co. Again, that's at naomicourtney.co on Instagram. Thank you.